Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Atomic Skull Podcast. My name is Matthew, and I am ready to record, man. I feel pretty, oh so pretty. I feel pretty and witty, and, you know, I hope everyone listening is doing well. I want to introduce you guys to a new, and boy, is this going to sound pretentious as fuck, and I will accept your judgment, so come hard for me. But I want to introduce you guys to a new episode concept that I'm going to be throwing onto the canvas now and again called Sloppy Tapas. Essentially... It's a small plate episode that I'm going to do for one reason or another. It's still going to have all the herbs, spices, and sexy juices of the usual episodes that you've come to know and like as a friend. But like tapas, it's going to be a little bit of a lighter portion. A little more seat in my pants, a little more hastily thrown together. I mean, who doesn't like it a little sloppy now and again, am I right? It isn't something that will happen often, but they will show up from time to time, usually accompanied by a specific reason or purpose. For this episode, my beautiful wife, Mrs. What's-Her-Name, is out of town with her family in Atlanta, in Hotlanta, and I cannot, for the life of me, get the strippers that are in my office to stay quiet for more than a couple minutes at a time. The only reason I'm able to record this episode at all is because they are so utterly pilled up right now, so I finally have a few minutes of peace and quiet. They did say before they passed out that they hope I had some Coke for them when they wake up, which I don't, but I do have Pepsi, and I think that'll be just fine. First stop on the tour today is talking about the Academy Awards. He said, surprising nobody. If you have even the slightest bit of incredulity that I'm talking about the Academy Awards in this episode, I want to welcome you as a new listener to the show and invite you to check out the other 30 episodes that I have. Be careful on the one where I do the shots of Malort. Apparently, I gagged a bit much for everybody during that one, and it's kind of tough to get through. I don't want to meet the person that can power through an actual shot of Malort without sounding like a bathhouse on a Friday night. Thank you guys really quickly for everybody who was kind enough to send me the answers to last week's Gold Star question about their favorite segments from the program. I still feel weird about asking, but it was actually really helpful. And that's the main reason why I'm doing a more compact episode this week is I'm working on the whole trailer thing. All right, so the Academy Awards. First of all, I loved it. I loved all of it. I saw that the ratings for the show were up, probably because a lot of people were tuning in to see if there would be any chaos like there was last year. People watch things secretly hoping they go wrong, which is a bummer. Don't we all have enough shit going wrong in our lives? Is that why we need to watch it to see it happen to someone else? If you want to watch things go wrong in a constant dumpster fire, 90 Day Fiance is still on and it is the gift that keeps on giving, like televised herpes. Most days when I get out of bed, shit is almost instantly going wrong. I have enough of that in my life. I watched the Academy Awards to see things go right, and I was not disappointed. It was such a good time. It felt more like classic Hollywood, and that was really refreshing. Everything Everywhere All at Once, Cleaned House, Again, I watched the flick a second time recently instead of watching something new because I keep zero promises that I make to myself. It is on the Showtime app, which again, I do not pay for. And blessed be for Showtime because that is really all they got right now for current content that's kicking tires and lighting fires. Unless you count shitty skin flicks, which, you know, who doesn't? But I watched the movie again and hot damn, man, it is 
good. It was even better the second time. I don't usually love when one movie sweeps a bunch of categories, but this one deserved it. Just as a reference, by the way, two other movies that have won just as many major categories for the Oscars were One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest and Silence of the Lambs. Both rewatchable masterpieces, just like Everything Everywhere. The one award that I didn't maybe 100% agree with, and this is a big maybe, was Jamie Lee Curtis winning Best Supporting Actress over Angela Bassett, who got nominated for Black Panther. It isn't that I don't like Jamie Lee Curtis. I fucking love her in every single thing that she has been in. This is a hard choice. Jamie pretty much ran the gamut emotionally in everything, everywhere, while Angela pretty much had two emotions in Black Panther, grief and anger. But she performed both of those at faster miles an hour. I admire intensity in an acting performance, and I think Angela beat Jamie out in that just a little bit in that aspect. But I think Jamie had a bigger palette to play with emotionally and she did it really well. I'm not saying the win wasn't deserved, but it was a close one for me. Kihi Kwan was the best part of the whole damn night, man. His energy and his positivity were utterly infectious. I loved every movie he did in the 80s and seeing him come back the way that he has and seeing how grateful and humble he is about it has been pretty fucking amazing. His acceptance speech for winning the Best Supporting Actor was really wonderful. When the whole cast came on stage to accept the Best Picture Award and he got to hug Harrison Ford, who presented, the two of them, by the way, were in Indiana Jones and Temple of Doom together, that hug was chock full of excitement and gratitude and I love that. But the best part for me was after he won his award for Best Supporting Actor and went backstage and did that little press thing where they ask everyone what it feels like to win their award and everyone gives a slightly different variation of the same response, his energy was infectious. He came into the room jumping up and down all over the stage and talking about how beautiful everybody was. It was the exact way I acted after the first time I touched boobs. Find the video online, you guys, of him referencing his castmates from the Goonies. And he talks about how all of them have reached out to him within the last like week or so to wish him luck or congratulate him on his success. And he ended the whole thing with Goonies Never Say Die. There's not a lot of things that make me feel, I mean, anything really anymore. But there's not a lot of things that make me feel every positive feeling at once. But that little snippet, particularly ending with that quote from the movie, was just perfect. I've watched it like a billion times already, and it makes me smile and tear up every time. It was really great. And shout out to Jimmy Kimmel, who hosted the show for like being one of us. You know what I mean? He is as big of a fanboy about all the shit we like as anyone. And I've always thought he was awesome. He did a good job hosting, and there is a 100% chance that he will be back to the show. Speaking of movies and segues. Let's talk about the gold star question from two weeks ago. What movie that you like 
has aged badly. I got a huge amount of answers as usual. Thank you guys. And one of the things that I respect about all your answers in a weirdly bizarre way is that a lot of you admitted the movies didn't age well, but you still unapologetically love them. I wonder how much that has to do with nostalgia. I think I've talked before, or I might be completely making up, that nostalgia is a hell of a drug. I spent a lot of time in my life looking backwards a little too much, and that can be dangerous. It's so important to keep your eyes on the road, you know, and that can be hard sometimes. When you think of the idea of nostalgia, particularly with movies and TV shows, shit you grew up on, no matter what your age is, I think that it reminds all of us of simpler times when we were simpler people. Jesus Christ, I sound like a fucking Rascal flat song. This episode is brought to you by an ice cold cherry Coke. But for a cat who was raised by movies, I can see how easy it is to let yourself fall into that maelstrom and forget that there's gonna be a time when you look back at your life that you're living right now and you refer to it as better times. I've been there. When I was 20, I was miserable, depressed, suicidal, lost. But when I look back on it, did I also have some of the best times of my life? Absolutely. For me, I try to remember that whenever I'm feeling down, which I have been quite a bit lately, don't feel sad for me. I'm not looking for your pity or sympathy. I just promised you guys that I would be as honest as I could and I cash that check every week out here. But I always try to keep that 20 year old version of me in mind and remember to savor even the moments that feel like bad ones right now because I might realize later that they were tough times but they were good moments. I don't know. All of that, that shit is wisdom in old age. That's going to be the end of the get off my lawn portion of the show. Back to your gold star answers for movies that have aged horribly. So we're going to start with Animal House, Revenge of the Nerds, American Pie, Porky's, all answers I got from different listeners, by the way. Pretty much any movie that centers around a group of young boys that are trying to get laid, whatever is happening in, on, and around that movie is going to be a blanket not okay. Those movies were all made years apart, but they're pretty much the same shit. Even Grease. Yeah, I am coming after Grease, and you can suck my ass. All those movies are full of borderline or blatant sexual assault. See Porky's as exhibits T and A, your honor. And guys who are walking this weirdly fine line of trying to get their dick wet and slut shaming girls around them, that is a circus rope walking that I couldn't remotely fucking manage. I've never gotten the idea of slut shaming. And I'm not saying that because I have a very healthy percentage of female listeners. Thank you, ladies. Let's all go to brunch soon. But why would anyone shame sluts? I love sluts. Jesus Christ. What would I do without them? And I'm not blaming only the men here. Women call each other sluts a total panty load. But watch Grease again for some clearly unacceptable behaviors. And don't let John Travolta off the hook just because he's gay. Yeah, I said it out loud. He cried 
at the Academy Awards talking about Olivia Newton-John. I don't care what you have in your pants. If you have ever cried for reasons associated with Olivia Newton-John, you like dick. And I'm not shaming anyone about that. More than anything, I'm just sad that Travolta has to stay in the closet like that. Speaking of Scientologists who are forced into closets, where is Shelley Miscavige? Have we figured that out yet? I was sent Peter Pan, Troop Beverly Hills, and Johnny Depp's Lone Ranger, all for being insanely racist to indigenous Americans. Troop Beverly Hills is actually a good time. If you've never seen the movie, it is on the bad good list. But Shelley Long in a headdress is not the move. Peter Pan is classic Disney, and like it or not, Classic Disney has racism built into the DNA. There is a chromate, a phosphate, and a racist nucleotide in every fucking Disney movie before the year 2000. Meanwhile, Lone Ranger came out in fucking 2013. Peter Pan and Troop Beverly Hills can maybe alibi themselves out by being old movies. There is no excuse for that Lone Ranger bullshit. Speaking of new movies that have no excuse, we cannot get out of this topic alive without talking about the help. I think it was one of those, it seemed like a good idea at the time kind of flicks, but it was 2011 and I am amazed that they got away with the racist tropes that they did. I understand the message that they were trying to send and the actors and filmmakers were doing their best to come from the heart, but people in positions of power tend to downplay the negativity and pain that they've caused to people that might sociologically be considered to be beneath them. And that power can come from money, status, gender, skin color, and we've all heard some form of it. The help tries to send a positive message, but inadvertently puts the exact wrong message out there. The entire cast has gone on record regretting making that movie. Viola Davis, who I fucking love, by the way, won an Academy Award and still regrets it. What a complex feeling to have. And then I know I referenced it a little earlier, but Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. Indy slaps a girl right across the face and then kind of forces a kiss out of her. I cannot stress this enough. Assault, bad, consent, good. I know that I mentioned Ace Ventura is an example when I asked the question, but my actual answer to this question is Mrs. Doubtfire. When I first watched Mrs. Doubtfire, I rooted for Robin all the way, but when I watched it more recently, it was not good. It is a hysterically funny movie with a lot of heart that I genuinely enjoy, but Robin Williams' character in the movie was kind of wrong every step of the way. He was the bad guy in the movie. He went against the things that he and his wife agreed on with the kids. He lied to his entire family and the judicial system. He tried to sabotage his ex-wife's dating life. At no point was he compromising, trying to be part of a team, was sympathetic towards his partner, or even honest to anyone in the movie. If you think about it, he literally lied to every single person in the flick. I agree that he was completely likable, but his behavior was toxic as 
fuck. Sally Field, who played his wife, just wanted him to act like an adult and a good parent. She wasn't the one who ordered him to have supervised visits with the kids. The judge did after hearing all of the shit that he had done. She was just doing the best that she could and didn't inherently do anything evil. He did all the evil shit. I don't care if he had a good reason. Bond villains always do evil shit for reasons that they consider good. They are still villains. Speaking of toxic dudes, I've got some shit from the Dildo Chronicles that actually fits right in line with that. I had two different guys that came in with their women's on the same day and both of them were equally a headache. The first one was asking questions about all the boner pills, but he was asking about the boner pills for his lady, or as he called her, his boo. Like he kept referring to her as his boo over and over and over again. This dude, no way around it, he had a let's go Brandon hat, which I have no issues with conservative people. They're just as annoying as liberal people. But I've noticed that people who choose to wear clothes with phrases like let's go Brandon on them are usually assholes. And this turd did not let me down in that way. And his... Boo, when I use the term boo, that immediately puts an expectation in your head about what kind of girl would have that nickname. You are gonna wanna drop that expectation, you guys. This girl looked like she should be perched on an 18th century European building. She was more like a boo-hoo. And that joke was actually written by one of my coworkers and I genuinely laughed. So I'm using it with permission. This guy was asking me about rhino boner pills, but for his boo. I explained to him that they were made for men and we do have the female equivalent of that. And then in response, he goes into this long thing about how his boo, I wanna say it often so you get as sick of it as I did, has taken them before and they worked really well for her. So that means that the information that I'm giving him is wrong. Part of what I tell every customer that is asking about the pills is that you also can't smoke or drink while taking them. It says so right on the back. He goes into another fucking diatribe about how I'm giving him, and I quote, false information. He was so fucking condescending. I wanted to rip his voice box out through his foot. I told him that the information I was giving him about smoking and drinking was literally on the back of the package and that I am not a doctor so he can do whatever the fuck he wants. I said exactly that. He then somehow steered the conversation to how his boo squirts a lot all the time. Nobody fucking asked him. We don't sell rubber sheets. This is not information that we require. The whole team literally got to the point where we stopped responding to him when he brought it up and he still wouldn't shut up about it. He finally fucking bought a few different pills and he left, presumably to take his boo back to her home planet of the forest moon of Endor where she can squirt enough to water the fucking trees. I don't care as long as she does it Far the fuck away from me. The second motherfucker, later that same day, a little older, probably licking 50 or so, he was wearing a pink polo. Immediate red flag. Men in pink polos are not going to enrich your life in any way. Any guy 
who wears pink polos are good at three things and three things only. Slipping something into a drink without being detected, getting out of a ticket by dropping their father's name, and buying overpriced sneakers with all the money they saved from under-tipping their servers. All right, so older guy, pink polo. And yes, he came in with, I mean, presumably she was his wife with the way they were talking to each other. She was very sweet. She was wearing a damn near sheer white dress and nothing else. And you could definitely see the merchandise. And yeah, she was good looking. I looked. I took a drink. I'm not made of steel. Suck my ass. She had a dump truck out back and her upper deck was sold out. You guys following me on that? Now, she was definitely not wearing a bra, but I was only hypothesizing that she wasn't wearing underwear until he told me that she wasn't wearing underwear while I was helping him. Three separate times. I get wanting to show off arm candy, but dude, why do you need to mention to me that she isn't wearing underwear? Do I need this information? I am just trying to finish my shift and get home to my own piece of arm candy. And it wasn't only that. Let me give you guys a list with no context of all the other things that this guy fucking said in the like 15 or 20 minutes that I was helping him and while they were in the store. First, he repeatedly as in not once, did an extremely offensive fake Asian accent. He invited me to look at his wife while she was in the changing room trying on lingerie. He started smelling the panties that we had hanging up on the racks. And then when I started ringing him up for his stuff, he offered to pull up his bank account on his phone and asked if I wanted to know how much he had in it. I should mention, by the way, that there was zero alcohol on his breath because I immediately thought that he was drunk when he came in and started acting that obnoxious. Nope, stone cold sober. And the worst part of the whole thing is that this dude clearly enjoys his life more than I enjoy mine. Best of the week this week goes to Peacock for their kick-ass new show Poker Face with Natasha Leone, who has been a longtime crush of mine. It is an instant recommend if you guys are looking for a good news show. The program is written and developed by Ryan Johnson, who did Knives Out and Glass Onion. And Natasha Leone plays a woman on the run who can instantly tell when people are lying when they talk. And I like it because they don't really explain why she can do that. She just says it's something that she's always been able to do and even she doesn't get it. She just picks up little cues or whatever it is with the way that they're talking and she's always right. And every week she solves different murder mysteries. I love serial murder mystery shows like that. And as I was watching it, the show instantly reminded me of Monk, which is one of my all-time favorites. Also, cannot recommend it enough. Tony Shalhoub nails it playing Adrian Monk, one of the best TV characters of all time. Monk has an extreme level of obsessive compulsive disorder that causes him to notice little tiny things that most people miss. Everyone around him sees it as a gift, but he hates it repeatedly on the show. He talks about how he lives in hell. And for me, as someone who has dozens of rituals that I have to do that I cannot break, who 
needs to have everything perfectly placed in a perfect order and clean all the time around me, the show is really emotional. It hits me right where I live. And wouldn't you know it, Peacock announced this week that they are bringing Monk back for a movie with the entire original cast based on the success of Poker Face. I cannot wait to see that movie. I can't wait to rewatch all of Monk instead of watching new stuff like the piece of shit that I am. For worst of the week, I want to go back to the Academy Awards for just a minute. Worst of the week is speeches at award shows where winners tell all the rest of us normies to follow your dreams and dream big. I don't mean to sound negative at all, you guys, but I am so fucking tired of hearing that shit. Most of the lives that we are all living are where dreams go to die. This one person out of six billion gets exactly what it is that they want and they use the opportunity to try to become a role model to blindly tell the rest of us to chase our dreams without knowing anyone else's lives or context or stories. Who knows what chasing our dreams might do to the people around us? There is someone out there whose dream is to go shoot up a fucking supermarket. Maybe I'm bitter because I'm not doing this show for a living yet. But when I win my Academy Award for, I don't know, fastest large pizza eaten by a podcaster while crying, I'm not going to tell people to chase their dreams or whatever that is. All that matters, all that I would say is don't give up on yourself. Don't be afraid to be ambitious and enjoy living the life that you have in front of you. If you spend too much time chasing your dreams, you're going to miss out on everything else. As the late, great Mitch Hedberg says, I'm not going to chase my dreams. I'm going to figure out where they are and I'm going to hook up with them later. For song of the week, try as I might, I am not much of a Skrillex fan. And hand over heart, I have tried. That whole genre of music is something that I cannot find a way to get into, much to my own chagrin. However, he just released two albums, apparently, and... There is one song on one of them that was sent to me that is fucking hot. I've been listening to the song on repeat for the last couple of weeks, and you are going to have to forgive my lack of flavor here, but the song is called Ratata by Skrillex and Missy Elliott, and it is the song of the week. Track it down and check it out after this episode is over. It is on the Atomic Skull Podcast Songs of the Week playlist on Spotify, Even if you are like me and you're not usually a fan of that type of stuff, this is one that I think you'll like. It is pure heat and energy. And that is going to bring me to my gold star question, which I am hiding at the very end of the episode just to confuse you motherfuckers. I've asked a similar question to this one and I am going to put my thing down, flip it, and reverse it. I want you guys to tell me a song that you love by a band or artist that you don't. I definitely have a few and this question is a guilty pleasure extravaganza. Reach out to me with your answers. AtomicSkullPodcast at gmail.com at Atomic Skull Podcast on the Instagram. My DMs are open, slick, and lubed up for your pleasure. I want to see what you've got on this one. Wow, not actually that short of an episode after all. What can I say? I overdid. You know me. 
I never go halfway with pussy jokes. You all have my endless and undying gratitude for spending a few minutes listening to me bitch about movies and people who buy dildos. As always, it means everything to me and I will never skip over that part. So hopefully you hear me say that before you skip over this part of the episode. Next week is going to be the start of a series that is a deep dive into 90s movies for children of all ages. Even you young whippersnappers out there, this is going to be one that you can sink your teeth into, I promise. I've been looking forward to doing this for a long while. It is going to be a ton of fun. So be sure to tune in. Bring some friends with you. I've got some people out there listening to the program with friends, family, significant others, hairdressers, and I appreciate it. Please subscribe to this shit show on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And after you listen, give me five stars. The number of five-star reviews that I've had has gone up a little bit over the last few days in particular, and I love that. It means all of it to me. So please do that some more. Take care of yourselves out there, you guys. I am truly glad that you're here. Apologies to my mother-in-law. And how are you doing?